a familiar passage, beginning at verse 10. He is given exhortation in this chapter to children. Um, the previous chapter, he said we are to be filled with the Spirit in light of what we talked about today. And then he specifically addressed husbands and wives in chapter 5. Then in chapter 6, he addressed children and uh, laborers, servants. And then he wraps it all up by beginning in verse 10, the words that we all love to hear when we're listening to a sermon. Finally, right? But we as preachers often use that more times than once in a sermon, right? Finally, and in conclusion, and in conclusion, I thought, how many points does our conclusion have, right? But Paul says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul's writing here and wrapping up this great letter that contains great truths, doctrinal truths, and practical truths for each of us as believers. And in it, he then wraps it up by calling attention to um, the battle that we are in and building off of what we looked at this morning, that we have within us an enemy, a traitor that is out to destroy us, our old flesh and our old nature. Once we receive Christ as personal Savior, then the battle rages. And Paul said in this passage, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a, a battle that you can see. It is a battle of spiritual powers. And we are the ones that really make choices as far as, yes, I will walk in the Spirit. I will obey the promptings of the Spirit of God. Or, no, I'm not going to. And oftentimes it doesn't come down to a choice where we consciously do that. We just... Do what comes natural, and that's usually the wrong thing. Or we consciously 
do what is right. And that means that we're taking steps of obedience. And as we mentioned this morning, every step for God is a contested step. Because the world, the flesh, which we talked about this morning, and the devil are against it. And our flesh has a terrific mind, and it is giving all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't obey God and why we shouldn't do this. And there is a continual battle. And Paul is saying here, we need to be able to stand in this battle, and we we want to be able to submit to the Spirit. And he says, so it's important that you put on the whole armor of God and understand that we are wrestling the most important wrestling match, the most important battle of your life is this spiritual battle that is going on. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. One of the keys in any successful wrestling is understanding your opposition, but not just understanding them. It's when they make a move, you have a counterattack. You have a counter move. In, in nearly every move, there's some way that you can counter it. There's some, some wrestlers that have been very, very successful that basically their whole, their whole method of operation is they just counter. They wait for the other one to move and then they counter it. Well, we don't need to wait for Satan to move in our lives. He is active. If we are taking a step of obedience for Christ, if we are going to walk in the Spirit, the battle is there. And we need to know how to counterattack. I, I enjoy, still I don't get to see it very much, watching wrestling. And, and I thought, I'm talking high school and college wrestling. I'm not talking this jump off the rope fake and land on your head and, and all that. that. Not that stuff, okay? The pro wrestling. My grandpa was 87 years old, and, and this was when I was wrestling in high school. And he all he'd ever seen was this pro wrestling, you know, Um can't even think of some of the Vern Gagne. Did any of you remember him way back when? Okay. Anyway, he thought, "What are you doing in that?" So finally, he came to a wrestling meet, and and afterwards he um, he said, "Man, that that is a lot better than that other stuff." But he says, "What are those dumb girls doing down there by the mat? They just got in the way, so I couldn't see the wrestling." He was talking about the cheerleaders and. My grandpa and I think a lot alike, okay? But um, at any rate, um, the wrestling, there's the aspect of counterattacks. And I enjoy watching, and, and there's times I'll say, wow, what a great counter. And there's other times I'll think, man, he could have just countered that. There, there's a little move that when a when a person stands up, when you're the one that stands up and you're underneath and the guy's got you and he's trying to take you down the mat, often they'll lift you up and try. And I'll tell you, okay? But, and I think, why didn't that guy do that? It's just a simple little thing. He He wouldn't be up in the air and being thrown around and... 
I think the Spirit of God looks at us often and says, why didn't you just use this counter? Why didn't you use what I gave you? And tonight we're just going to look at at some aspects and give you an opportunity to help get you thinking about some counters that we have. For example, just to temptations. We're all tempted, and some are tempted in in different ways, but we're all tempted. Um, you know, some are tempted with chocolate. I'm not tempted with chocolate. I just eat it, okay? <laughs> Somebody gave me a thing. I give up chocolate, but I'm not a quitter, all right? So I like that. Um, but we all have various areas that we're more prone to to succumb to the temptations that are desires. So you cannot avoid temptations, so how do we respond to them? Temptations come and they offer to us that this will bring fulfillment to you. And we must counter the temptations with truth. Behind every temptation is a lie of Satan. And look at the supreme example. Read Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was tempted. And in every situation, he used truth. He didn't just say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Get away from me. Don't bother me. He used the Word of God and he used truth. Satan mixes a little bit of truth or maybe a lot of truth. With a little bit of lie. And Satan Satan exposes himself with that lie. And Jesus Christ took the truth and he dealt with the lie of Satan. And in every time, three times we find it written, that Jesus Christ said, It is written. And he spoke the truth. It is important that we speak the truth. That we, okay, this is the temptation that comes to me, and we'll deal with a a few specific temptations a little bit later, but this is the temptation. What is the truth that deals with it? Why is my heart drawn away from this? Why does my heart find this appealing? What is the truth that God gives us that deals with it? So see, this is why we must be students of the Word. We must find, okay, this is a weakness that I have. What does God's Word say about this? And um, am I prepared? Do I have the truth lined up so that I can counter the lies that Satan brings to me in this area? Another counter that you can use for temptation in addition to this one is we've mentioned it often before, but if you've done it, you, you find that, that it truly works. It's to hit prayer targets. Pray for someone that is unsaved. Pray for someone that is out of fellowship with the Lord. And pray for a servant of the Lord, a missionary, a pastor. Always I'm, I ask you to pray for me. So Satan comes and he tempts us. And if we use that as a springboard, hey, this is a reminder to me. I pray for so-and-so that you would bring them to salvation. I pray for this person that's out of fellowship that you would bring them back to fellowship. And I pray for pastor that you'd help him to know your will and walk in it or whatever. See, 
in in a boxing match, much of it is counterattack. They punch, punch, and then they receive a punch and they jump in and counterattack. And if we're trading three punches for one to Satan, that's a pretty good deal, okay? And seriously, if we get in the habit of when we're tempted that that makes us run to the Lord and pray, not just about the temptation, but use it as a counter, I am now going to move from this into this And I'm going to ask God to do a work in these lives. Again, these aren't the only ways, but we're trying to give you ideas how to respond. And first of all, make us conscientious. It's a battle. I'm being pulled by the flesh this way. And I want to obey the Spirit of God. And it's a battle. And they're bringing this deception to me, this temptation. We need to know the truth, speak the truth, and to hit the prayer targets in life. There are many trials and tribulations. Man that is born of woman is full of trouble, the Bible tells us. Life has many, many difficulties. How do we respond to that? What's a a way that in my life when things don't go the way I want, when, when trials come and there is great difficulty, how can I counterattack that? Number one, First of all, stop and give thanks to God that he has allowed this into our life. You may not understand why it's here. You may not know anything about it, but you you claim 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I I have seen it over and over in my life. A, A trial comes and I'm kind of griping about it, and the Spirit of God prompts me to give thanks, and, and I go, I don't feel thankful now, and what's there to give thanks about? My old spirit's going this and this. But when, as an act of my will, I actually say, God, I'm coming to you, and you tell me in everything to give thanks, and... There's times I say, I don't feel very thankful right now, but I'm doing this in obedience to you. I thank you that you are able to bring good out of this. I thank you that for some reason you have allowed this into my life. And um, I, I want to be filled with thanksgiving. And so God, by grace, through faith, I am thanking you for this, that you are able to make all things work together for good. It is amazing just that one step, that one counter, how that can change our attitude about things. It's it's not just a cure-all, but oftentimes it changes our perspective. But another counter to trials and tribulations of life is not only to give thanks, but then to submit to God. To say, God, I'm giving you this to you. And I want you to accomplish your purposes through my life. I want you to accomplish. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fight. Why did you allow this and, and resist him? That's the old nature. That's the flesh here. But God, I, I set this up. You are the potter. I am the clay. I am putting myself on the potter's wheel 
and you can dip your hands in the water and you can mold and shape me. And I pray, I just want you to know, I want to be pliable in your hands. I am submitting this to you, God. And I want you then to teach me. I want to learn. Lord, what is it you want me to learn from this? See, we often pray, God, remove this trial. Take care of this tribulation. And and God has a purpose in it. And it's, what do you want me to learn, God? I mean, if we don't learn it, we're going to have to go through it again. What is it that you want me to learn? And And... That means, that involves not just asking, but that means examining Scripture and and walking in the Spirit. And then let the trials and tribulations cause you to look forward. God, thank You that the day is coming. I'm looking eagerly. Thank You that the day is coming when there will be no more trials and tribulations. But Lord, until then, help me to be strong in You. And faithful to you. But see, our natural tendency, the response of the flesh, is to react to it, is to get upset and so on. But um, these are some counters. In life, the trial and the tribulation may be an, an offense. That someone truly has offended you. Let's just assume as we naturally do, that we aren't wrong, they are wrong, and they offended us. But for the sake of illustration, an offense that comes into our life, how do I respond to that? Number one, consider Christ. Hebrews talks about this. Consider Him lest you be wearied and faint. Do you understand any offense, any wrongdoing to us, in no way can compare to the wrongs that Jesus Christ endured. And, and you, may, you may be disrespected to a huge degree. We've never been disrespected like Christ was. You may be rejected and, and suffer shame. We'll never be rejected and endure the shame that Jesus Christ. And it ought to make us say, God, thank you that you bore all this for me. And it ought to make us uh, value and appreciate. You know, sometimes God allows offenses in our life so that we know the heart of God. That we know the heart of God, that He is there He went through all this for me. And He bore this. So first of all, consider Christ. Another counterattack to offense is, okay, God, I'm going to let you bring justice. Romans chapter 12 says, well, just turn there if you would. Romans chapter 12. This is a key, key passage because when offenses come, we're tempted to get bitter and get angry and get even. And in Romans chapter 12, did I say Hebrews? Romans chapter 12 and verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, 
but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And the sentence doesn't stop there. Saith the Lord, Vengeance is not mine. God says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so it's, it's understanding the reality of this, that this person has offended me greatly, but if there's something that needs to be taken care of, I trust God to take care of it because vengeance is the Lord's. We have a hard time trusting God. We, we volunteer to be His helper. You, you need me to help you? And we think that it needs to be done right now and God's not doing anything and that isn't right and we have all these reasons. And when we do, we end up walking in the flesh. And it's, it's letting God bring justice and understanding vengeance is mine. And he goes on and says, so if your enemy hungers... Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him to drink. And he concludes, do not be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So, that also involves in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews this time, where he says, look diligently that you fail not of the grace of God. And don't let any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you. Meaning, we need to forgive those that offend us. And we say, well, they haven't sought my forgiveness. That's when, it, it's, it's like this. Here, here's this offense. And it's a heavy weight that we're carrying. And we carry it around. And that person offended me. And I'm upset with that. And... We need to, first of all, understand, consider Christ. This offense is nothing compared to what Christ endured. And then, then to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you to deal in their life. And we say, I don't know if they're even listening to the Lord. I don't know if they're even a Christian. I don't see much fruit in it. No, give it to God. And then, by faith, forgive them. But they haven't asked me to forgive them. God, I am not going to carry this bitterness around any longer. I'm giving it to you, God. I'm trusting you to work in their lives. And, and if you work and ask them and work in their heart and they come and ask for my forgiveness, I'm trusting you to give me the grace to forgive them. If we don't do that, we carry this bitterness around in our life. And you can, you can technically say you can't forgive anyone unless they ask you. Go ahead and say that and carry the bitterness around all your life. I don't really care. I do care. But if you're going to say that, I, there's nothing I can do about it. But I've found in my life it's better to say, you know what, God, I am giving that to you. And I am not holding that against them. I am going to use that in my life to help me to grow. And God, if you bring the opportunity and they seek forgiveness, I want you to know already, I'm leaving that in your hands and I will forgive them, but I am not going to carry that weight of bitterness around. 
That's what he means in, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Be diligent that you don't fail of the grace of God. Every, every offense that God brings into our life, he gives us the grace to handle it. But we must choose that grace and trust God to deal with it and trust God to take care of things. And we can trust God that we will give an account for what we've done. And they will give an account for what they've done. So, another move, so to speak, that Satan uses in our life is offenses. Another one is anger. And again, we're just hitting the surface of several of these. But but want you to realize, I'm in the battle. It's not just, you know, you go watch a little kid's wrestling tournament and... There's a kid out there, and, and another kid comes in, just tackles him, and, oh, they tackle me, and I'm on my back counting the light. Yep. Sometimes that's how we are, as Christians are. Oh, Satan got me down. I'm, I'm whipped. No, this is now how you respond in anger. What is it that is making you angry? And then you ask, what are rights, normal, this is a good place to start. What are rights that I think I have that are being denied to me that are making me angry? For example, um, someone pulls out in front of you and you have to slow down. Any of you relate to that? Okay. What's the right we think we have? I have the right to travel down the highway at the speed I want to without anybody interrupting it, basically. Whoa, 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 you are God and everyone should get out of your way, right? That's what I think sometimes. look, Look at that idiot, he just pulled out. I wouldn't mind if he pulled out and got up to speed. But look at him, 45 miles an hour. Why are we getting angry? Because we think we have the right to do whatever. We have the right to be healthy. We have the right to own certain possessions. We have the right to be married. We have the right to have children. We have the right to control our time. We have the right to privacy. We have the right to satisfy our desires. We have the right to choose our friends. We have the right to have one day that things go the way I want. We have the right to have a piece of machinery that doesn't break down. We have the right to be respected. We have the right to be listened to. We have the right to... Eat food and not gain weight. We have the right. Stop and think about it. And usually the things we get angry, it's a dash light saying there's a problem here. There's a right that you haven't given up. That we are being God. We're demanding this. And it's being denied us. And no, you can't. And we get angry. Now, when you see a little kid... Their rights are denied, they flop on the ground, they kick their feet, they, or they run off and ram their head into the wall, or they do all kinds of stuff. 
as we mature, we become much more specialized in it. We don't fall on the ground. We just give people the silent treatment or maybe not the silent treatment, you know. I still remember to this day it was a vivid lesson. People don't understand younger siblings learn a lot from their older siblings. And most of it isn't good. I mean, it isn't learned from them doing good. It's learned from them. My brother had, do any of you remember a javelin? A car, the javelin, okay? And the door wasn't shutting just right. And he spent all one Saturday afternoon adjusting that door. And it wasn't just getting the way he wanted it. And finally, he slammed that door and kicked that thing and put a dent in it. He thought he had the right to be able to fix that just the way that it ought to do exactly. And I I still remember seeing that and shaking my head and thinking, man, that is really stupid. (laughs) Now, I've done many, many stupid things just the same way. But do you understand In every one of those situations, we think we have a right. We're not thinking about the right. But what makes us angry is something is being denied us. And the counterattack can say, wait a minute, before I let all this energy turn into a sinful energy, I need to stop and think about what rights are being denied me. Am I willing to surrender that right? God, if, if you want me to be respected, I give up that right to you. God, if, if you want, it's evident you don't want me to have an unimpeded travel to work, so I give that right up to you. It would make our lives much more peaceful and meaningful if we understood the rights that God's trying to deal with us. So in understanding, anger, that's, that's one counter. The next counter, or the next thing that Satan often brings into our life is discouragement. How do you counter discouragement? And again, in all of these, it's important for us to, to understand God's, God's plan. But number one, to begin praising God. What are we thankful for? Um, count your blessings. What is it? I mean, it's easy for us to get us on everything that's going wrong. But, okay, Paul said in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he says rejoice. So what is there that I can rejoice in the Lord? There may be times that you might not find a whole lot to rejoice in in your circumstances. But that's why I said we can always rejoice in the Lord. And to give praise to God. It's, it's, um, it's healthy for us. And none of us praise God enough to think about who God is and His character and His attributes and to rejoice in that. So count your blessings. Then embrace truth. We see things, and that doesn't necessarily mean that's how it is. How does God view things? And embrace God's viewpoint. Embrace truth. And then stop and ask, okay, here's the situation. What is it that I can do now? What is it that God would want me to do? What's a step of action that I can take? What is it that I can do now? 
So those are some areas in that regard. The last area that I'm going to mention is just this aspect. If you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and notice if you'd look in verse 22. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22. We live in a world that this is a very prevalent temptation, immoral lusts. And what is the counter that he gives? It's very basic. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lusts. What we are to do is flee. He doesn't just stand there and say resist. He says we are to flee youthful lusts. Reading the book of Proverbs, we should be reminded over and over and over again that there are many strong and many mighty and many men after God's own heart. The strongest man that ever lived, Samson, fell in this area. The man after God's own heart, David, fell in this area. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, fell in this area. And the problem is... The only way we can respond to this is flee. Not to see how close we can come, but to flee youthful lusts. That's the solution. So you want to know the bottom line, all our life we're going to be fleeing. I can remember years ago we went to a men's conference. We were riding in the van and Marvin Griswold was in the van And, um, I don't know, it was 15, 20 years ago maybe. And we were talking on the way home after the conference about this battle. The battle of of immoral thoughts and lusts. And in my mind I thought, you know, the older you get, the less the battle. And Marvin Griswold just blew that theory clear out of the water. He said... Let me tell you guys that that battle is something you've got to fight all your life. And I thought, in my mind, I thought, man, the older you get, the better. He is absolutely right. And and the only counter for that is to flee. And And the reality, I am glad that he said that because it blew my false theory out of the water. And made me realize that this is a battle that we live in this world. And it's not just men, it's women as well. And the reality is, is we must flee. That's the counter. He doesn't give. There's other things that we can do to direct our thoughts. But if you don't flee, you're not going to be successful in it. Now, the bottom line of all of this tonight is this. I don't have any idea how Satan may be attacking you. But if you're a believer desiring to walk in the Spirit, you are in the warfare. And he is coming in on a single leg on you, and he's going to take that leg and jack it up here and kick your other leg out and have you down before you know it. If you don't, if you don't sprawl and get a wizard in and those that wrestle know what I'm talking, if you aren't doing that, you're going to be down for the count. And please pray for me. 
There ain't no prayer going to help you if you're not willing to do the work. It, it isn't going to... No, we need to... We need to get in. We need to do the counters. We need to pray for one another. But the bottom line is, we are responsible for our actions. And every one of us have different areas. But every one of us are in the battle. I know it's easy to sit and look at someone and think, man, they, they don't seem like they're battling. I mean, look around. Nobody looks like, I'm in the battle. But we are. I mean, it's a tough battle. But God is greater and we can walk in his victory. But it's not just God drops the victory in our lap. He gives us instructions. And and this is just a sampling of how we need to respond to the attacks of Satan. Don't be weary in the attacks. I mean... And to a certain regard, that's a good sign that he must view you as a threat. But take the weapons that God has given us. And the attacks come, we can counterattack by the grace of God, and he will be glorified. We're going to go to prayer. We want to take some time to pray for our nation and pray for each other. I'm going to have them um, get the microphones here. And... Um, Again, right now, see, right now is the battle going on. The Spirit of God may be pushing you and say, pray, oh 